Hey, Jeff, I forget. How do you say Emperor Bidsha's name? Uh, I think it's Badsha. Trying to prep for the Snark Wars, huh? Yeah, uh, some of these Snark and Chameleon names are really hard, like Kofi and Murad, Hadj, heck, even Chameleon. Well, Rick, this can be one of the biggest obstacles to a print-based medium. The pronunciation in your mind's ear may not match the author's intent, but it does lead to some fascinating arguments between fans, since there's usually no way to arbitrate a definitive answer. Your answer to my question is the, you say tomato, I say space blaster defense? Yep. Really? Okay, then. Louise Simonson, as the co-creator and writer of Power Pack, would you like to weigh in on the correct pronunciation of the names of the characters that you created? Sure. Badsha is the emperor. Elfar Whitemane is the name of a character. Kofi, Maraud, Hodge, Chimelian, Boogeyman, and it's not G like the letter. It's pronounced Gi like the karate gi. Oh, okay, thanks. That actually helps a lot. But I'm pretty sure you're pulling my leg on that last one. Well, maybe. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> Who is the expert here anyway? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast, Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer, analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures, and observing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. And welcome to our one-year anniversary celebration with our very special guest, Louise Simonson. Thank you very much for joining us today. And the very first question that we have to ask you is, may we call you Wheezy? Of course you can call me Wheezy. Yay! I've been called Wheezy since I was... Born. Okay, so it was is kind of wheezy, the like the given name. I I was never given a choice in any way okay. <laughs> until, I, until I moved to New York. My grandmother's Mary Louise and my mother's Mary Louise, and they named Mary, me Mary Louise, and they had to do something to differentiate me from the others. Okay, so I from the second I was born. It's southern. It's southern for Louise. Okay, no, that's great. It was I did a, a radio show with uh, two of my friends who were also named Jeff. And it was show, the show was called My Three Jeffs. Uh, but yeah, to differentiate ourselves between ourselves, it's like usually one person can say Jeff and we can uh, you know identify each other. But I was Dodd for my last name. Uh, my friend was Whoopi and another one was Jeffy. So it's, yeah, it's the nicknames that you get in association with your name as an identifier. Many of my relatives are married to someone named Dan. And they're, they're, they are. <laughs> so, so Mary Louise Dan. They're, they're differentiated by Helen Stan. Or Lisa. Oh, okay. Oh. Or Sally's dad. <laughs> <laughs> Little titles of ownership, I guess, right? <laughs> at, at least none of them are not. And there's that Dan. Yeah, that Dan would be the worst identifier. <laughs> They're all lovely Dan's. <laughs> Wheezy, I and probably Jeff too, we've been huge fans of yours since, you know, I even knew your name. Um, the first was when I was collecting X Factor. That's where I kind of started my entire love of comics. And then that led me to Uncanny X-Men. And this led me to Mutant Mutants and Power Pack. And then it was only much later that I started to realize, hey, you know what the reason I like all this? It's all kind of either written or influenced by you in some way. So uh, thank you for shaping my childhood and helping me show what superheroes should be. So thank you very much for that. Oh, that's such a sweet thing to say. Thank you for saying that. That's really nice. It it really was true because I looked through all my early 
loves of comics and then i was like wait there is one common thread that comes through all of these and that is you so thank you very much for that i really appreciate it um and as you can tell with our podcast on power pack we decided we wanted to do something we wanted to do a podcast and we both realized we liked power pack and we thought this would be a great thing to do since nobody else had done it and our love of the property has really grown while while doing it because we liked it a lot and we found thought we were the only ones and they quickly realized that we weren't have you you haven't had a chance to listen to our podcast yet no i haven't i will though i swear I'm not even sure how one goes about downloading podcasts. This is how much of a Luddite I am. I, it's a it's a giant mystery to a lot of people I know, and kind of including me, where people will be like, hey, have you listened to this? I'm like, no, I don't even know it exists. And where does it exist? I know. And it's like, oh, it's it's a podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I got the words. I'll talk to my mom about it. She's like, you're doing a radio show? And it's like, well, it's a podcast. So that's a radio show? I'm like, basically, I don't know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> A big part of our show is having my daughter, Carrie, help us out with parts of our show. She also has some questions for you. And because we're recording this so late at night, I'm going to have her go ahead and ask her questions now before we get into the regular interview. So go ahead, Carrie. Hi. Hi. Hello, my name is Carrie, and I'm eight years old. I have three cats. What's your favorite type of food? My favorite type of food? Oh, gosh. This is going to sound weird. I love sweet potatoes. <laughs> Absolutely nothing weird with that. Yeah, it's okay. Everybody okay. likes different things. That's true, we do. I like apple pie. I like a lot of things. Oh, yeah, what, what's your favorite food? I like a lot of things. Um, I like miso soup. I like tofu. Mm. I like rice. I like carrots. What do you do? I know, I know. It's just when you said you like a lot of things, I was questioning that. The things you mentioned are about the only things you like. Those are no. things. Those are, those are the kind of things my granddaughter likes. She's, we call her our little fruit bat because she likes fruits and vegetables. I like fruits too. I like mangoes. Yay! Pears, persimmons. Yay! <laughs> you sound like you have a very varied kind of fruits and vegetables appetite. I like this. <laughs> What is your favorite color? Oh, gosh. It depends on what kind of mood I am. Right now, I'm in a, I like blue mood. But sometimes I like yellow or gold. And sometimes I like red. So it's really hard to say. Do you ever do that? Yeah. Yeah. I like purple, green, yellow, blue. Cool. Those are all good colors. How old were you when you started writing comics? Oh, golly. I was, I think think i was about 35 years old i was really old when i started writing comics old 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 way old <laughs> <laughs> who's your favorite character from power pack it, you know it's the one that i'm in when i write a story my favorite character is always the one that i'm giving the worst life to like the one who's having the hardest time and he has to make hard decisions or she has to make hard decisions and then has to to make hard choices and do hard things. Because then I always see how strong and great they are. And so sometimes it's one character and sometimes it's the other. It depends on who the story is focusing on. Usually my favorite character is whoever I'm writing the story about. That makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you. I'm glad you think so. Who's your favorite villain that fought Power Pack? Oh, golly, let me think. I think there was a... Uh, a bad guy kind of a snark named Jackal. And I think he was my favorite. 
because he he kind of turned good. He didn't exactly turn good at the end, but he kind of redeemed himself in the end. And I like that in the villain. That's a spoiler for you, Carrie. You're going to get there. You're going to get there soon. Oh, I'm sorry. Where she's? No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine. She's she's keeping up with us. Because that's just a little bit. It's not like the whole story. No, that isn't. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And it's kind of a surprise. Oh, she is keeping up with us. She's keeping up with us as we're walking through the stories. Oh, lovely. Oh, cool. I should have explained this at the beginning. A big part of our show is having my daughter assist us with recording the sound effects, doing Katie's dialogue, and she also gives us her impressions of the different things that she reads. So at the end of each of one of our episodes, I interview her and talk to her about what she thought about the issue and, and what she liked about it or not. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. And you do Katie's dialogue? Yeah. You do? Do you do a good job with it? I'd love to hear some of this. I have to go listen to a podcast now. I think she does a pretty good job with it. I, bet she I think she she really she really likes doing it too. What do you say whenever we go somewhere and we meet somebody? Uh, my dad, my dad's doing a podcast. <laughs> and, and what do you get to do? And, and I'm doing the voice of Katie, Yay! Okay. the youngest power sibling. And yes. <laughs> Excellent. Is there any other questions that you want to ask her? Nope. Hey, Carrie. What? Thank you very much. Welcome. Thank you. I love you. Love you too. Good night. Bye. Good night. <laughs> really cute. We, when we were uh, thinking of the concept of what we were going to do with the show and how we were going to do it, we were like, you know, the kids range in age between 5 and 12, and we have access to a 7-year-old. Why don't we involve her? Perfect. Absolutely. My first thought was... Well, as we tell the story, we'll have sound effects. We'll use some sound effects from the issues. We'll have her do them. And then as we're talking about it, I'm not sure what came first, but when we were doing kind of our last wrap-up session of, okay, we are going to do a podcast. We're going to record this. This is going to be our format. We're talking about it. And I had given Carrie the first book and she, we're sitting over at Jeff's house and she was finished reading and she finished reading the book while we were there. And I looked at her and I said, so what'd you think about the book? And then I hit record on my computer and she just... And I asked her questions and we got done with that. I stopped the recording. I looked at Jeff and I said, and we're going to do that at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, excellent. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And then uh, Rick's wife does the voice of uh, really? Julie. I didn't know you were doing and voices. Did, oh, this yeah. is so great. Now I have to listen. Now I do, I do Alex's voice. And for my wife and I, I pitch up the voices because uh-huh. yeah, my voice is not Alex. I have to talk a little bit like this. And then I pitch up the voice. And then Jeff, <laughs> since episode number one, get ready for this. Get ready for this. This is how he started doing Jack's voice from episode one. And this is how he does Jack's voice always. Uh, to just preface it, it's because he's, we decided that he's very curmudgeonly. Absolutely. Yep. So he started to get a voice that sounds like this. Julie, why would you be such a numbskull? <laughs> and so now I answer a lot of questions and stuff in Jack voice. Uh, which is absolutely fun and fantastic. And it's ridiculous. We've actually had people say, I can't not read Jack's dialogue without thinking of Jeff's voice going, you know, it's like, get ready for a 60 pound mass master jerk head. And, and it's all of the dialogue. If it's serious dialogue, if it's sad dialogue, it doesn't matter. It is that voice. <laughs> and it has led to some funny things. I, I hope you don't mind. <laughs> you sound, actually, you, what, what, you sound like, Terry Austin doing one of his voices. He does he does that voice for, I don't know, characters occasionally that sounds very much like that. Yeah, it's really hard to okay. tell Terry. Yeah, uh, 
yeah, we, we give yeah we give different voices to different people. We give uh yeah uh the snarks we gave them a voice. This ah power pack the power pack uh what are they hatchlings <laughs> the boogeyman I'm I'm currently the boogeyman the boogeyman. <laughs> Because I had to, I, I thought jowls. He's got jowls. I have to have jowls. Okay, well, I admit we're, we're the voices. It's uh, Nixon off Futurama yes, for Carbon yeah. D. So. <laughs> <laughs> I usually am shaking my mouth at the same time. Uh, I started doing James Power voice, and Jeff's looking at me like, what are you trying to do? I'm like, I don't like it. I don't have enough beard in my voice. I need more beard in my voice yeah. for James Power. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we 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 just started getting all these yeah little little whatever sounds for uh for the different characters just to differentiate them and and since you haven't really listened to our show I guess we should explain that what we try to do is we try to walk each of our listeners through the show and we do it in a very humorous bent, adding a lot of pop culture references. Good, you know, kind of retelling it in a funny way and kind of taking our own take on certain things as well. Mm-hmm. And little parody songs little and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, the parody songs. I'm not sure where they came from it's his fault it's my fault so yeah he does parody songs and they come out of nowhere and it's it's a thing now uh we after we get through our the the walkthrough we we talk about some of the themes we talk about some of the interactions with the kids we talk about the art the story the some of the context of the time we also try to pull out some science and some literary questions so jeff usually pulls out a piece of science out of there and talks about it i try to see if there's a literary reference that i can pull out of each issue and i'm going to ask you questions about that okay Um, (laughs) all right and then we also do some ranking we rank to see a piece of art in the book we'd want to put on our family refrigerator We talk about what some of the best insults are because, you know, it's childish rubber and glue moments. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of kids are throwing insults back and forth. We talk about what the best are, though. And then we figure out who the best kid and the worst kid in each issue is because in each... It changes, doesn't it? It, it, it yeah, changes, oh, it does, yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes we're like, I I don't like how he's acting. You know, he's being really bad. Or, wow, Katie is being awful to Franklin, you know. <laughs> so they get the detention and then the other kid gets, you know, the best kid gets the star. <laughs> That's great. Basically, our entire thing is just, just to provide some entertainment and some intros- introspection into the comic book. And, and make it family fun. friendly. And, and we do it family friendly, too. All right. And also, the the other big part is, uh, you know, we tell people, it's like, honestly, we're just trying to make each other laugh. Is you know, It's just kind of like, we're, tr- we're, doing, we're doing the show, but also we're, it's just like, if we can make the other person laugh, uh, then right. we've won. Good. You made me laugh plenty already. Oh, good. Fun, fun, fun. That's fantastic. I do actually have a follow-up question from uh, Carrie's questions, and that's what would your favorite power set be? What power set would you have if you could have one? Oh, Lord. You mean one of the power packs powers? Let me think. Yeah, yeah, one of the, yeah, one of the powers. Probably, probably, gee, maybe the flight power, the energy power is so dangerous, and I'm such a klutz, that I would end up tripping <laughs> over my feet, falling on the floor, disintegrating the floor, and I would be down to the next story before I knew what I was doing. Yeah. So that's, that's not good. And the cloud one, probably it takes too much dexterity. Hmm. And I don't, but you'd be a cloud, so if you tripped on something, you'd be safe. Well, until I, until, until I ran into a hurricane, and then I'd be gone. Oh, <laughs> um, I, we never, I never did that to, to Jack, did I? Did I blow her off hard? Yes, you did. I just was reading it. It's in issue 22, where at the beginning of the Snark Wars, where they are getting, they're fighting the Snarks. They've kind of been captured by the Snark once. They get away, and Murad throws down a device, or like two little Ghostbuster traps that pull Jack apart. And Alex is yelling, "Don't go! Don't go solid!" So Jack was kind of in two cloud forms in either one side. So yes, oh, you did oh, that. Oh, good. Too. I'm glad because I would. I mean, <laughs> I 
I mean, <laughs> but really, <laughs> and dangerous. My poor, poor. Anyway, um, Jack can handle it. He's strong. And I, I think Alex's power, the the gravity power, is more. That, that's a hard one. He he always had problems with that, with with flying off and being, you know, he being degravitized, and then he was just sort of stuck floating in the air until he kind of figured out how to get himself down. But still, it's kind of a hard power. I think I'm going to go with Julie's. Julie sounds safest to me. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty. Yeah, it is pretty. And you it know is. what? And and she only broke her arm once. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she healed right up pretty quick. So that's good. Yeah, she got better. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but she got better. She got better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she's a Monty Python fan. <laughs> For our two prior interviews, we have failed to extend our practice of having a beer. You know, we didn't do that with June Brigman. We didn't do that with Mark Sumerak. So this time we reached out to you and told you we were going to. I don't know if you decided you're going to join us or not, but would you like to? I had, sure. Did you bring a beer? No. Oh. I had wine. I had wine with supper. Does that count? That, that counts. Totally counts. That counts. Totally. What kind of wine did you have? I had, oh dear, it was a Pinot Grigio. Do you remember from where? No, I don't. I bet it was Spanish because most of the Pinots I get are from Spain. I like Spanish. I like Spanish wine. Very nice. Yeah, we decided to go with uh, microbrews, and it has not it has not disappointed us. We've been having a lot of fun matching them up with the different issues. This was very difficult for me trying to come up with a beer to match with you because you're really impressive and you're really cool, and we hadn't interviewed you yet, so we didn't know a lot that I could go with. So I went with something a little on the outside, and this is called Abraxas. Okay. Oh, that's nice. That's that's actually a lovely label. Yes. I like that. It's by Perennial Artesian Ales, and I bought this bottle over a year ago. It's really good. It's a very special bottle. Abraxas is a mystic word made up of Greek letters. The word was believed to have magical properties and was inscribed on ancient charms and amulets. The term is magical and represents infinite power and possibilities. Perfect. The next Power Pack character I write, I will call Abraxas in your honor. Hey, that's awesome. I'd prefer Jeff, but (laughs) I'm biased. Maybe I'll throw you guys your guy's name in. I'm I'm actually writing now. It's a power pack thing. You are? Yeah, it's something for it's some Marvel anniversary thing. They they kind of explained it to me in some sort of weird way where they're having original creators come back and so they asked the power pack. So June and I are doing it. Oh, that is gonna be amazing. Excellent. We are super excited to hear anything about Power Pack existing in any kind of media. Uh, when they've been talking about like, hey, maybe we'll do it as an animated sh- series or something. It's like, that would be incredible. And then anytime anybody touches in like the uh, Infinity Warp, you know, the yeah. Punisher Power Pack hybrid thing. Did you see uh, that one at all? Yeah, they, it was very interesting. It was uh, they, they basically combined Punisher and Power Pack together. Oh. It was interesting. I, I thought it was a good start for a story. Uh-huh. I would have been interested in seeing where it went. <laughs> but yeah, that excited us. It just the fact that you're writing power something for Power Pack again, that's fabulous. And um yeah, if you dropped us into the Power Pack story, that <laughs> would not suck and we would love you know, it. I, <laughs> I mean, we don't have to be major characters. We could be secondary yeah, major characters. Secondary characters who are humans who will appear in this story. And I can certainly throw you guys into it. I'll throw your daughter into it too. Carrie, right? Is there Carrie, yeah. yes. All right. Let me see. I had better write this down because you don't want to get a child's name wrong. You know, I, lo- I like putting my friends' names into comics. You can only get away with it sometimes. DC is really grumpy when you do that kind of thing. But Marvel, you can get away with it more easily. There was the issue 
that Brett Anderson drew where they went to the baseball game and you had or he had drawn in 17 different creators from comic books in the background of this one scene. And I reached out to him and I got a text back from him telling me like, you know, trying to remember all the people that were in it. And it was like, this is fabulous. I, we loved yeah. seeing that. It's great when you do that because fans do pick up on that and they appreciate it. They like the sly nods to your friends. So thank you from the fans on doing that. Oh, and the fact for us, it was like a, a 34 year old Easter egg. Yeah. Where it's kind of like we're in it. It's like, this looks like this is people. This yeah. really looks like people. Who is this? And then we now get to reach out and find out. And it's like, it is people and this is who they are. So Easter egg cracked. Ha. Yes. Yay. Yay. What was your childhood like? What type of childhood did you have? I had a, probably a normal 50s childhood. I was a very free range child. I think in the 50s, childhood was different than it is now. Yeah. yeah. I was, I had three sisters. There's, there were four of us. So this is probably one of the reasons that they're for kids in the power pack. Oh, okay. We spent a lot of time outdoors during the summer. Um, we pretended we played, we had, I don't know. We just did stuff. I read a whole lot. I guess the quite the deeper question is, how did that in really inform you as a writer? I mean, it sounds like a lot of your experiences being out, being with your family, doing the adventures, it seems to really influence a lot of your writing. Do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. I think that, it influenced maybe even the, the, the kind of stories that I tell. And I think it influenced the fact that the kids didn't tell their parents about their powers. Because when you tell your parents about your powers, then your parents become involved in your stories, mm -hmm. in your pretend. That's interesting. And I wouldn't have wanted that. I When I'm a child, I want to be in a world that I make up. and I don't want grownups coming in and telling me what to do. This is my... This is this is the kind of kid I was, I, which was probably a nightmare for my parents. But um, whatever. <laughs> you know, I think that that the kind of child that I was and the kind of siblings that I had probably influenced Power Pack a lot. My si my sisters are very very smart. Uh -huh. My sister, who's right under me, Helen, is my my uh, there is me and then Helen and then Celia and then Margaret. This is how they go. Um, Helen, who was right under me, we had a game called teacher that we played with some of our friends and I was the teacher and Helen was my student. And by the time Helen got, was in first grade, she could read, add, subtract, multiply and divide and had a grounding in science. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, by the time she got to first grade, she was probably pretty ready to go into third grade, but um, which is well, no, I can't tell that story because it's a story. It, some of the things that I can't say to you guys are things that I'm writing about now in a power pack story. So I, I guess the, the follow-up to that would be, was there any media that you consumed as a child that kind of helped that as well? It sounds like you're free range, so maybe TV might not have been as big of an influence as it is nowadays, but probably a lot of literature. I read all the time. Uh, the... the the only real fights that I can remember having with my siblings other than the usual normal, you know, things were over library books. My mother would take us to the library every week and we would take out as many library books as we could. All of us would. And because Helen could read as well as I could, even though she was three years younger or two and a half years younger than I was, we would, the, the conflict would be over the library books. It would be, but I took it out and I want to read it, but I'm reading it now. And I started it first, but it's my book, <laughs> but, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah. So I, I think that um, 
it, it, that made a big difference. Uh, so it was mostly mostly reading. I am so ancient that we listen to radio. We listen to Lone Ranger okay. on the radio yeah. when I was a child. I didn't have a TV until I was 10. My father was waiting until they improved them, until I protected them. That was the idea. I think he just didn't want to get a television. So that that's that's really interesting, though, because that still is a, a good type of media that probably influenced you. You listen to things like Lone Ranger. I'm guessing things like Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Um, I don't know if you got into the horror mystery ones at all, but... No, I never, I never did that. And, I, I, you know, the only one that I actually remember is Lone Ranger. And, and maybe one of the other cowboy ones. Some of my friends had TVs mm-hmm. when I was young, but I don't, I, we didn't watch them that much. So it just wasn't that much on. Who was your favorite author back then? When you were when you were growing up. Oh gosh! All right, let's see. My favorite uh, Robert Heinlein. I love Robert Heinlein books. I loved Edward Eager books. Do you know Do you know Edward Eager at all? No, I know Heinlein, but who's Eager? I wrote a book called Half Magic. Okay. Oh, I think I have actually heard of this. I've wanted to get it from the library myself, and they didn't have it, and then I forgot all about it. I know that's. I don't remember if it was, I don't remember if I was looking for it because I read something about you talking about it being a favorite book or somewhere. Oh, this is driving me nuts because now I'm like half magic. I know that I wanted to read those or that. Yeah. Let me help you out, Jeff. Uh, Future Jeff, don't forget to uh, pick up half magic. Okay. I'll see if I can find it. (laughs) Kids find a magic coin in that one that gives them half of what they wish for. So you have to to multiply your wish in a very carefully worded sort of way or you're in trouble. Hmm. And of course, they figure out how to work the magic eventually in it. It all comes. And then the mad, well, it, it's it's really fun. You should, you, I hope you enjoy it. He, Edward Eager wrote a series of books that I thought were really fun. I Anything by Louisa May Alcott, anything by Marguerite Henry. Mar- Louisa May Alcott's Little Women books. Yes. And that whole that's, that's, she wrote a series of children's books. That's right. Okay. Gosh. Anything with horses. Marguerite Henry. Jim Calgard, who did dogs, um, Irish setters. I was, it was a huge disappointment to me when I met a real Irish setter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Calgard books, the Irish setters are not only beautiful, but really smart. And the Irish setter I met had a butterfly brain. Mm-hmm. He would kind of go along and a, literally a butterfly would flutter in front of him. He'd go chasing the butterfly and then something else would happen. He'd go off in that direction. So I loved those books anyway. So I loved animal books, animal books, science fiction, and fantasy, I guess, and, and books about girl, real-life girls. I can definitely see how that, that moved into what you did with Power Pack. That, that's a straight yeah. line almost right there. Yeah, and that bleeds us kind of right into, like, uh, what got you into the comics industry? Is it just uh, the fact that you like the stories and the literature and the, uh, you know, the teleplays? Is all of that kind of just said, you know, all this is kind of formulating in my own head, and I have stories that I would like to tell as well? Or was it just like, I need to pay for my apartment? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, a little bit of both. It, first, when I was in comics, I, was, I wasn't writing. I started off in the production department at Warren. I had been working in New York. I mean, when I moved to New York, I was what, 19 or something. I got a job in advertising promotion at a magazine publisher. But I had a friend who worked for one of the comic book companies, for Warren Publishing, which is black and white horror comics back in the olden days. Right. And, and she said, 
well, I, there's a job opening that pays better than your job that you could do. Why don't you apply? And I had read the Warren comics and I really liked them. I liked my favorite one of all things was Blazing Combat, which was really an anti-war war comic written by Archie Goodwin. I'm going to look that one up. I just loved Archie's writing anyway. So I applied and I got the job. And about a, two, maybe two months later, they moved me into editorial because I was much better at editorial <laughs> than I was at production. <laughs> and, um, they, they actually created an assistant editor position for me. I hadn't had one there before, but I, that, that was where they put me. You are now an assistant editor don't touch the artwork. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> they said, Wheezy, we love you, but not not you. here, but oh, we might no. love you we, more there. We, we, we want to put you in a better place. <laughs> <laughs> so they moved me over there and I did. It, I, it was partly too, because it was a very small publisher and they kept needing people to do things. They'd say, oh gosh, we need somebody to write our letter, write letters, pages. I'd say, oh, I can do that. And they, I, they kept saying they needed things done. And I'd say I can do it. And so eventually they just put me in a place where I could do it safely away from the artwork. And <laughs> that was, and then I uh, eventually I, I became the editor of that line and then went over and worked for Marvel and then started writing. That's pretty much the ping pong sort of trajectory of my career. <laughs> did uh, Marvel hunt you or did you just see an opening with them and then say, yeah, I'll apply? They, they, not punted is exactly the word. I Jim Shooter called me up and asked me to come work there. Okay. Uh, I had gotten several calls from Jeanette Khan over at DC over the years, but I really I liked being at Warren. I liked having control of my little books mm -hmm. and able to run experiments on my readers and all sorts of things like that. I, I was fun. But then, you know, eventually the pond got a little small and I could tell Warren was losing interest in the publication. Okay. And I think I was just ready to move to a, maybe a larger company. Yeah. I was actually going to say, it kind of sounds like you were sort of big fish in small pond and that Marvel was kind of the resize yourself into a bigger pond. Yeah. That's pretty much what happened. I think, I mean, I, I learned a lot working at Warren though. You know, it was really a good training ground for me. One of the things I mentioned a little bit earlier on, too, is that uh, today when we're recording this, I saw a post by Tom King and he tweeted the comparison picture of you in the 70s next to the cover of House of Secrets 92 and Swamp Thing 33. How did you end up being the model on the cover for the first appearance of Swamp Thing? First of all, I lived in New York's Upper West Side, and that was a haven for artists and writers in comics that were, you know, everybody I talked to said, oh, yeah, I lived. So, you know, people I meet now said, oh, yeah, I lived half a block from where you used to live. <laughs> so, you know, it was just it, it was it was big old buildings that you could get decent apartments in really cheap back in the old and old and olden days. Now you'd pay millions for them, but that's a whole different thing. So I, I was living in this building. Um, Bernie Wrightson was there. Mike Luda was there in the same building. I was married to Jeff Jones at the time. And the artists that I knew, they got it into their heads somehow to use, start using reference. I mean, a lot of them had not used work from reference before, right. but they suddenly decided to start photographing. I, I got to be the girl in, in several of these productions where, you know, you put on the costumes and you act out the stories and then they take pictures and then they draw pictures. I mean, that Swamp Thing story, I think that was the one. I think Kalut is the bad guy. I think so. It's, I, I, it's been a while since I've read it, but yeah. Yeah, I think Bernie's in there some somewhere in the background too. Jeff must have been taking the pictures. Pulled it up and and I'll send you a copy <laughs> to do, or, or you can look it up as well. But it's they've got a picture of you brushing your hair, the actual picture yes. of you, and then the pictures from House of Secrets and then Swamp Thing. But yeah. once again, I just thought I had to ask you about it today because he posted it today, and I was like, oh, he also said something very nice about you too there. 
this is what he said. He said, okay, this seems to be well known, but despite being someone who has read Simonson's work my whole life and had dinner with her a few times, she's the best on multiple levels. I didn't know it. Mind blown. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's really sweet. That's really funny. Honestly, they're gonna put that on my tombstone. They're gonna say some <laughs> stuff, and she was on that cover. Oh no, that's gonna really? be. I, I think that's the beginning. And then what goes from there is, and she did Power Pack, and she was editor of X-Men, and she did X-Factor, and she did New Mutants, and she did this, and she did Superman. There was a lot more to you than this. And the most important (laughs) part is when you put Jeff and Rick in the new Power Pack comic. That's what they're going to say, and they're going to say, and and the pinnacle of her career, (laughs) Jeff and Rick in the comic. (laughs) That'll be the eulogy. (laughs) I've known Wheezy for a long time, and her... (laughs) And and anytime I think of her, I think of two guys in a basement in Oregon. <laughs> ah, um, <laughs> we. <laughs> I really don't know how to go on for this. We've read about how you first created Power Pack, but would you mind telling our listeners about how you were first approached by Jim Shooter to do the book? Okay, well, I wasn't exactly pre- approached from him to do the book specifically. Sure. What happened was that Shooter wanted his editors to experience life from the other side of the deck, which I think was really a good idea. A lot of Jim's ideas were really good ideas. He wanted us to know what it felt like to be a freelancer so that when we we interacted with our freelancers, I think maybe we would have more empathy for them. So, I mean, I couldn't draw. I could color a little bit. I did that. I colored a couple of things in different comics just as, you know, because when when the colorist disappeared or something, there was some desperate measure, but mostly that wasn't my thing. But I thought maybe I might be able to write stories but I employed a lot of writers, mm-hmm. well, a number of writers, to, enough to film up my books that I was editing anyway. And I didn't want to take work away from people who were supporting their families by writing stuff. So I felt like if I had a job already, and as an editor, I, I didn't, I just didn't want to come in and like nudge people off other books. But I thought that if I made something up, then I wasn't kicking anybody off of anything. I was just making something new. Okay. So eventually I kind of put it off and put it off. And then Jim hired a whole batch of new editors and my workload was cut in half and I was bored. So I thought, well, I'll just come up. I'll just, you know, put this idea out there. And so I went into Jim and I said, so I have this idea for four little kids who are superheroes. Is that anything you maybe would be interested in? Jim sort of rolled his eyes <laughs> and he said, well, write it up. You know, maybe we just, you know, do a, write it up. Maybe we'll get a mini series out of it or something. You know, I, I could tell there was a little hope in his voice. Really? So I went home. And I, wrote, I wrote the first plot and um, a precy for the next three and character descriptions. Then June Brickman came into my office looking for work. And I didn't have any work for her as an editor because all my books were filled. Okay. But I asked her, I liked her drawing. And I said, well, can you draw kids? And she said, oh, sure. Yeah. Because that's what you say. <laughs> Anybody asks you, can you do anything? You yep. say, oh, sure. Unless maybe it's like an airplane or, you know, taking you know, you out can always try that once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you're good at it. You don't you know. know. You don't know until you try. <laughs> yeah. And in a pinch. Oh. And? So <laughs> yeah. I mean, and if I was just going to say, if it cra- if you crash the plane, it was going down anyway. Right. So who's yeah. who's at fault? The appendix needed to come out anyway. <laughs> yeah. I just missed. Yeah, appendix, stomach, pretty close. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So she said she had worked in Six Flags, and she had done drawings of people. You know, as one of these sidewalk people who do drawings. 
Oh, a character. Yeah, caricaturist. Or, but I, I doubt she was doing caricatures. Probably more like you know realistic drawings from what I saw of her work. Anyway, and I said, okay, well, these are this is my this is what's happening with me. I've got this book, this idea that I've been asked to do maybe a mini series on. This is I'm gonna I'll give you a description of the kids. And, you know, maybe, I guess everything I'd written, probably I gave her, I don't even remember what I gave her. And I said, draw them. And if they're, if they, they look right. Well, then I'll propose this to Shooter as a team. And June came back with these fabulous little drawings in which the kids were even more themselves than they were when I wrote them. You know, Alex was more geeky and, and Judy, uh, Julie, uh, Julie had her, her nose in a book and Katie was like her usual, you know, baby Katie self. And Jack, Jack was the best. Jack was this pouty little guy with his arms folded and his lips poked out. And I said, Oh God, these are so wonderful. All right. We're a team. And I went in and I added, I, I interwove her pages with my script when I sent it into Shooter. And Shooter came back to me and he said, this is wonderful. This is fabulous. I have read, read, read treatments for screenplays in Hollywood that are not this good. You have a series, a monthly series. <laughs> 38 and it's due in, I don't know, two months or whatever it was due. It was like, oh, God. <laughs> I just succeeded myself into work. Darn it. (laughs) (laughs) So June suddenly had to draw. June had never actually drawn a full comic in her life at that point, I think. Yeah. That's what she told us. Yeah. Was suddenly drawing, you know, a 38 page comic. And I had never written a full comic before in my life. And I was writing, you know, a comic book too, but it it turned out really well. I, I still love that first issue. And the second one, that first, the, the first four that were really a, that they were like a, their own arc. Yeah. Yes. So yes. it was originally going to be, a, you were thinking it was just going to be a mini series sure. and then kind of four, four and done. crazy person would want that to be a series for little kids. Yeah. <laughs> you got to be kidding. What was the inspiration for Power Pack then? What was it siblings or people that you knew or? I mean, that my, my whole experience is, uh, you know, for kids who are siblings. I mean, my own childhood was, and then my favorite books had four kids. Well, well, some of them did anyway. Half Magic has four kids. There's four kids who are siblings in Half Magic, and 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 Little Women is four kids. So you know, it was just it was a, it was just seemed like the right amount of but I was it was a number I was comfortable with. And I think okay. I like family stories. Family's important. A couple of things. One one of the things on our show that we do is we rank all of the stories with Power Pack in it on a scale, so that you know we see what we believe. <laughs> The best story is and what we believe the worst story is it's all in us and it's subjective to us and if you disagree with it uh, we aren't it's your this show. is just our opinions <laughs> you, get, you get opinions everybody does so our opinions are more expert than yours in this stage yeah <laughs> to give you an idea right now from where we're at uh we just finished the last episode real episode that we did was uh, x-men 205 which is the wolverine and katie power story mm-hmm. so from there and uh, i think the power pack one was 21 we currently have as number one is number 19 which is the guess who's coming to dinner that's the one with the thanksgiving yeah that one is our number one that, that was actually, but that turned out pretty well that was a fabulous issue I'm glad you liked that <laughs> that was great it gets referenced by people a lot too it where it's, it's just like you know what was really good comic just not even in the series just a really good comic in general was yeah. like, oh that christmas one and rick had to correct somebody it was like it was thanksgiving actually marvel <laughs> comics put it out there and there was a christmas one with power pack said uh, <clears throat> excuse me marvel comics but i believe you meant thanksgiving <laughs> and that's when i got banned from marvel comics um but no, uh, so that's our first one. But our second and third one is issue number four and issue number three. Sure. So I think those are great. Because, because that's still in that first four issue arc that you had. Yeah. And, and no offense to your husband at all, 
But unfortunately, uh, his Thor number 363, where... Thor and Beta Ray Bill use Katie as a weapon. We rank that last. <laughs> it's a beautiful story. We love the story, but it's not a good power pack story. <laughs> yeah, that was very much a power pack appeared, said, look, it's Thor. And then Thor said, Katie, shoot this man with our, with our hammer energy, but you might die. But you know what? We're okay with that. Do the thing. <laughs> I don't even remember that. That's funny. I have to go back and read that now. Or you could just listen to the episode I, that we made of it. That and that'll... I don't remember any of I don't remember that happening even. We also have this on our website as well of our list of all of the Power Pack issues, where we rank it, and who we thought the best kid and worst kid was. I, I just, I absolutely love that idea. I just love it. That's the letters we would get would be, the letters that, that reference that kind of question would be inevitably, Jack should quit being mean to his brothers and sisters. Yep. He he's he's really got to shape up. He's my favorite. Yep. 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 The, the thing is, is that on the most part, we don't knock Jack too much for his meanness to his siblings, no. because that's kind of the annoying little brother. It's, it's just when he takes it too far. That's when we're like, OK, Jack, you, you went too far. You know, well, it was like when Katie was being jealous of uh, Franklin and being, you know, and being picking on him and stuff. It's like, Katie, we understand why you're doing this, but you got to ease back. And, you know, mostly they shape up after a while. Jack always feels guilty after he's been really mean. Yeah. Jack does some good turns. Yeah. Jack does some good turns. Yeah. He gets a lot of that uh, redemption storyline where it's like, well, he needs it probably more than the others do. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. You're like, well, Julie, especially when Julie's like redemption storyline is Julie was thinking about something, but then did, you know, it's like Julie's hardest storyline was like, she didn't cheat on a math test. Oh, Julie, I guess good for you for not cheating on a math test, but people think you did. Oh, your dark, dark turn, Julie. In the meantime, Jack's like, yeah, I almost killed a gangster by stepping on his head. Okay, I'm better. So... Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, uh, Dagger healed him. It's, yeah. He's fine. He's yeah. fine. Talking about the kids some more and, uh, and some of your inspiration and your love of literature, I have noticed, and it's kind of part of why we do our um, literature corner, our, our library card, as we call it, we see that a lot of your work seems influenced by various pieces of literature and illustrators. Were there some specific works that influenced your stories that you created for the comic or any of your work? You know, I, I not, not specifically, I, at least not Oh, gosh, not. I tried to create in my stories the feelings that I had gotten from other books that I had read, which I books I've mentioned sure. before. But I didn't try to, I didn't lift ideas for the story specifically. I, science fiction was out there. You know, I, I was inspired by, I think, characterization, a lot of the stories that I read, uh, the, the ones that I liked, I, I think, mm-hmm. more for characters than I was for plot. Well, the reason I asked this question is one of the one of the first examples or one of the first things I noticed, and I mentioned this in the first issue that we recorded, I saw some allusions that you had to the children of Narnia, the four children from C.S. Lewis's Narnia Chronicles, specifically The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm-hmm. Peter, Susan, Edmund, and Lucy. Was that a coincidence, or do you know if that influenced you at all? I don't, I don't think it influenced me. I... We read those stories. Walter and I read those stories to my daughter when she was little. It was, that was mm-hmm. one of the bedtime stories that we read. Oh, yeah. And that would have been before Power Pack. So I, it may have been floating around in my mind somewhere back there. You know, you don't okay. always know where your influences come from. 
I mean, deliberately, yeah. Heinlein was a deliberate influence. And mm-hmm. I think that's where the whole idea, the, the adventure with the Snarks came from. You know, have space yes. travel, or those other ones with kids going off in outer space and meeting weird aliens, um, Podcane of Mars, whatever. Those those great, you know, kid kid science fiction stories. The Narnia books, you know, there's a kind of a they're they're kind of morality plays in a lot of ways. And I think they are. And I was told by someone who uh, it was like a story called those guys like with somebody who was in charge of, of of creating a whole batch of stories that linked together. And this is this is going to sound strange. It was animated Superman, computer animated Superman, choose your own adventure thing that I was working on. Okay, it kind of came and went. I I I. They, they, I wrote it. I wrote a whole batch of them. I never saw any of them because you couldn't get them on Max, and Max is what I had. So I have no idea how it turned out. But I wrote a batch <laughs> of them anyway. And he said that he thought that my stories had a very strong sense of morality, of right and wrong, or you know, honor yeah. among uh, honorable heroes, that kind of thing. And I think maybe he's right about that. And that may have partly come from from you know the struggle to be you know better than you maybe were last yesterday maybe that kind of comes into from off of the narnia books a little bit maybe i don't know don't ask (laughs) i can see that though because you've got characters especially the children and of course the children see things more as light and dark more than we as adults do and you have kids that are coming from kind of a privileged back upbringing too so they aren't really exposed to a lot of the the troubles that they end up seeing in their books but that gives it a very unique perspective with the kids to to face those things that are not as clean as the life that they come from and the struggles that they have to go through and the troubles and the moralities and when should I use my power, when should I not? And we're gonna use Katie as a weapon, even so though she's the most innocent of all of us. So yeah, I can I can definitely see that. Yeah, I, I that, that, so that may have been an influence in that particular way. Who knows? <laughs> and of course, at the same time, too, you also had Star Wars that was also pretty heavy in the sphere as well. That probably le- led a little bit to it as well. And you, I heard you say something else that I, I saw as an influence is your love of horses as well as June Brigman's love of horses. <laughs> I think we have finally, I think we have finally solved the mystery of why the chameleons have us have a very um, equestrian <laughs> bent to them. <laughs> yes, I well, you know, when I thought of. Whitey, uh, like Elfar Whitemane, I had thought he would look kind of like a rabbit because I was hmm. thinking Alice in Wonderland. That's a huge influence for me. Okay, my that was All the right. first book I remember actually having someone read to me. I was well, I, I I guess I read some of the little golden books and I remembered those when I was like two or, but when I was three, my grandmother read me the Alice in, Alice in Wonderland and with a white rabbit and going down the rabbit hole and just the entire insanity of the world that she falls into. And I find that as I go back and look at things that I've written, I throw in stuff from that, that I don't even, I don't know I've done it until I go back and look at it later. Mm -hmm. So I had thought that I had thought that Whitey would be a rabbit, but it turned out Whitey wasn't. He was a kind of a seahorsey kind of alien. And that was good. I like, he was much better than I had envisioned him. Why didn't you use established alien races? Why did you uh, guys create the snarks and the chameleons? Is it just because? Oh, I'd rather make up things and mess with other people's toys. That way, if you make up your own toys, because these are toys that we play Mm -hmm. with, we can do whatever we want with them. We don't have to go to another editor and say, can we please use the... Crease or scrolls. Right. Or the brood or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I actually like making things up and it's really worked out well for me. I think so. That I have 
that I've made things up and then they turn into things and then they get royalties and payments and things. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's all about. The royalties. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> it's all about getting what the money. You we never, we, royalties. We never, I, honestly, when we were writing things back in the olden days, you didn't expect it to have a life other than that yeah. month. Maybe if you were lucky, it was on the newsstand and then it was gone. So that, I mean, when I first started, started comics, there weren't comic shops specifically. There wasn't the direct market. Things would go on to the newsstand yeah. or the, you know, spinner racks at Walmarts or whatever. Yep. Or well, no, there wasn't Walmarts. So it would have been what? Walgreens? The, the, your local, you know, mine was the local. Store. Yeah. Mine was the local corner market yeah. getting yeah. the, uh, yeah, the spinner rack damaged books yep. yeah, folded over know. and pages torn. Yeah. It's, yep. That's, that's where I'd always go. It's just be and, the, and, and trying to get a, trying to get a, a, full run of comic books i've heard people talk about you know i didn't have a comic shop near me so getting a full run of comic books was going to the store and hoping that it was there oh, yeah. and if it wasn't oh darn you had to show up the minute they delivered them you knew when they delivered them you showed up and you snatched it before anybody else could grab it you know spoiled now because there's so many ways that you can get the media and you can still use the internet to look up and find the entire history on something i still am racking my brain about when i started collecting comics oh i found this the power pack i, I want to know all about them i'm not going to be able to get all the issues right now but how how did i get the knowledge about their entire history the marvel universe handbook or something like that you know going to the comic book shop and finding those i was lucky i had a comic book shop near me but i think i w was able to get some in hand from the store yeah. uh then i think i i really certain that i got uh at least the last half of the run from uh i think like the yellow pages in a, in one of the comics going hey you can order such and such <laughs> and then another time i found out there was a comic shop up in tacoma and i begged my mom to drive me up there and we drove up uh, you know drove the multi you know multi-hour trip up there to go hunt down the shop so that way i could go through their long boxes his mom is a sweetheart oh, yeah my mom <laughs> is a sweetheart. Good mom. Well, she yeah. probably was happy to have him reading she didn't even care what he was reading, as long as he's reading, 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 that's so important. I am a huge reader. I always have been. Yay. Yeah, it would be, yeah, lots of not going to bed nights because I'm reading Tales of the Super Fudge or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I was a large reader too. I, I did more reading than I did schoolwork. Our daughter, my daughter loves to read and at the same time, I buy her comic books, and I've had conversations with teachers and educators who are saying, especially now, you know, if they're reading comic books, they're reading. Right. They're reading something. So get the kids to read something. Find something that they like. My daughter's a children's librarian, and she has a whole, several batches of shelves of graphic novels. And I mean, my, and she goes, these ones are my mom's. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, you mean my mom's section? <laughs> My, you're so funny. And my grandma, I mean, my uh, granddaughter reads comics as well as books. She, in fact, well, actually both of the girls, I lied to my grandma's grandson also. The little one seems to be the most interested in reading comics. But, you know, she's gone on, she discovered, went, she did comics and then it was Harry Potter and then it, now it's God knows what, it's all sorts of stuff. Now she loves fantasy particularly. Getting back to some of the design about things, we look at the kids' costumes, and I like them. Yeah, I the love costumes the are costumes. amazing. I even yeah. like the, I live the life of the moon boots. The moon boots are. I love the moon boots. And I'm still trying to get somebody to to make costumes for us. So when we go to cons, we can be dressed up as. So which of you is Jack, and which one of you is Alex? I'd be Jack. He's gonna and, be Jack. Yeah, I'd be, be Alex. <laughs> Actually, when when I originally thought about it before he started doing the voice for Jack, I was gonna put him in Julie's costume because. That in Julie's costume. <laughs> Six feet of goatee, shaved head, braided beard, 
And uh, yeah. although, although what's kind of cool is one of our fans, because oh my god, we have fans. Yeah. That's weird. He sketched us in our own power pack costumes uh-huh. i have a microphone on mine jeff has a musical note oh, nice. it's pretty oh, perfect right. yeah rustin lf did that for us and that was L- just, thank uh, you very much rustin yeah, lf I'll call it to him because that was still amazing so i think we have that yeah up as a like uh our facebook icon you know, our, this is our image this is what we look like we but looking at their costumes we always wondered why there was no attempt at a mask on them I don't think it ever occurred to either one of us to put a mask on them. Um, I, I think June liked drawing faces, and I like knowing what the kids are thinking and feeling. And the best way to, you can see that better if they aren't wearing masks. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, who knows? It just never occurred to us. And then by the time it did occur to us, it was too late. I think didn't Alex at one point try wearing a Spider-Man Halloween mask or something? For- that, yeah, yeah, that was in uh, like issue. Six seven, or something, seven, six or seven, something like yeah, that. Yeah, him and, and, Jack and, he, were, and he meets Spider-Man too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was the beginning of the Dragon Man yeah. uh, trilogy. One of the reasons we bring up the masks is because there's some tropes that you do a lot. You know, one of the big tropes is they get kidnapped, and another one is that they give away their secret identities all the time. So, what exactly is up with their uh, throwing away their secret identities to just about everybody they meet, and their kidnapping? The massive amounts of kidnapping that go on. Straight up. I I would I would give away my secret identity to <laughs> calling each other Jack and Julie and Katie and and Alex codenamed Julie. I know it is just so hilarious every time when they yell code names at each other and their names. I know, and then it's just like it's like Julie, go over here. It's light speed. <laughs> oh well, no, that, that, it, it, it so far it hasn't really harmed them, so it worked out okay. It's just funny. Not yet. I know. The kids have some arguments about the gender of Friday. So, mm-hmm. so a couple questions here. One, do, would you like to defensively say what the gender of Friday is? Friday's a machine. Friday doesn't have a gender. Excellent. <laughs> there you go. That was my answer. Yeah. Was there a conscious decision about not giving it a gender or did you just not even care at that time? I think Friday seems to be very, she, she's a she or he, depending, is a cross <laughs> between a butler and and a mommy. So Friday goes back and forth, I think, as far as, you know, just her personality or his personality, whatever, whatever. You know, I read I read a batch of um, books when I was a kid with sentient aliens. Uh, not sentient aliens, what am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> See, I'm getting tired now, my brain. Oh, oh, oh. That's a- Anne McCaffrey, Anne McCaffrey's books? The, 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 uh, like the ship that sang? Yes, yes. Yeah, it's a really, really beautiful book. And yeah, I loved, I loved that stuff. So, you know, I, I, Oh, there were there were several of them, uh, several books I read with with sentient ships that I was very very fond of, and I always wanted a sentient ship. But I don't. Also, Heinlein has a lot of. Yeah, didn't Heinlein have ships that were? I think so. Didn't he have some ship that actually converted to human or a, a converted a robot body, human body or something? Who knows? I can't remember. At any rate, um, <laughs> somebody did somewhere, um, and uh, I don't know. I just. I just, I love the idea of sentient ships. I want to own one, my very self. We have a robot vacuum cleaner, a little guy that we call Rover. And we're very fond of Rover. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I'm, I, I am a Luddite who yearns for, 
for true interaction with machines, I guess. <laughs> Unfortunately, you have to settle for us on the other I end know. of a Skype you, call. So you, you know. did a great job. You're doing a great job with getting <laughs> talking on the internet. Yay, you. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Could you tell us about the history behind the Spider-Man Power Pack PSA on child abuse? Like, how did it come about? Um, Marvel asked if we would do something. I think that they had, I think Marvel had been approached by whatever organization. I can't even remember what organization it was, but they'd been approached by these people and we wanted to, us to do stories that were about childhood abuse, about, about sexual abuse and about physical abuse. And I was, they asked me if I would do it. And since Power Pack can, Power Pack and I like to help when we can, you know, and we felt like we could maybe do some good with it. And I, I think maybe we did. It may have made it difference in some kids lives at least you know just because it was a comic book and they were reading about it and it really Mm -hmm. gave them options of things that they could do if they were having this horrible problem yeah and it would also kind of let them know that it's like there are things that are right and things that are wrong and you might not know it because it's really hard to tell a lot of times with like well this is my family this is normal right right it's like actually no it's not right Exactly. so were you hesitant about putting your your new baby up on the plate for such kind of a, a sensitive subject or no i I was more concerned about doing it right, about, you know, approaching it with the right sensitivity and, you know, conveying the right information and the right emotional content that I was worried about. I don't know I, I mean, what, what bad could have come of it. I guess people maybe would have thought it was too heavy for children to be involved with. Mm-hmm. But I think that made it more accessible to the kids who to whom it would have been important. We haven't gotten up the nerve to review that issue yet. We've talked about it. We've we put things together for it, but we really want to try to find a... Yeah, we have a most of a script built yeah. for it, and then we've kind of uh, we, we, walked we, we, away to do some other stuff, sure. going, we need to get back to that. We want to actually try to reach out to somebody who is a professional and an expert who can we can sit down and introduce it to and have a conversation about it. That's a good idea. We have read it, and, and it's paired with the Spider-Man part of it. Right. And the Spider-Man part is not good, but yours is really good. I think what you were saying there about trying to find the right tone, I think that issue in and of itself shows that you found the right tone, where the kids approach it as, we're here to help, but we're not here to push. We're here to make things, you know, we're here to present the right thing to do in these kinds of situations. But I'd like to, I I think it's also going to be interesting if we do sit down with a professional, look at it at the time it was produced and then look at it now and see, you know, how is this work and, and what's, is what they did right. Oh, that would be nice. I think that would be an interesting show. One of these days I'm going to figure out how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> professional to talk Yes. To. Kind of on, on top of that too, I just finished reading issue number 23 where the kids go missing because they're kidnapped by the snarks and their dad comes home to find that they're gone oh, and he God, starts freaking so out. I know. Was it? I know. Jim has a rough run. Especially in the Snark Wars, it's not good for him. Well, he got carried off by the Snark. At least he was unconscious for the first time he got, he got carried off. Yeah, I know. It's like, oh, my wife is finally recovering from that critical damage she received from this monster in the hospital, and my kids have gone missing. Oh, I know. Um, it was terrible. But in issue 23, that included information in the back of the book on missing or lost children in association with the child fund. It, it, was that the same kind of thing as that came out of that Spider-Man PSA? You know, it 
might have been. I don't remember. It might have been something that Carl, who was Carl Potts, who was my editor, might have thought of. Um, it, I don't. I don't remember how that happened. I'm glad we did it. I every anytime we could do anything helpful like that, I was delighted to do. But you know, I don't. I don't remember. Once again, it's it's another thing that we like about the book is that it's it's not a kids book. No. But at the same time, you're using it as a platform to try to reach kids and try to do things that are helpful. So Yeah, we keep on describing it as it's a book that has kids in it. It's not a kid's book. Although I was I was writing it for myself when I was 12. Oh, okay. But when I was 12, I was reading at like an early college age. So I was writing, right. writing for, for 12-year-olds who like to read, I guess. Okay, the college graduate 12-year-olds. Well, I graduated at 12. <laughs> 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 if it were math, I would have been, I, they would have flunked me. They would put me back in remedial. But um, I, I, I read at a, very high, a much higher level than I did math. We're also looking at the uh, miniseries uh, Power Pack that came out in 2005. Did you ever read those? No. I, you know, I see one or two of them every once in a while. Um, so show, show one or two of them to me, but I never actually read an entire series. Mark Sumerak did those. And uh, we just interviewed uh, Mark Sumerak a couple weeks ago, and he said that he did see you one time at a, at a comic convention, and he just kind of went over and said, thank you for letting me do this, you know, making these characters so I could do this. Yeah, he got to have his fan moment with you. They are really good, and it's your characters. He's just, he uh, aged them a little bit, and brought them into more of the modern century. But at the same time, he made it, an all age, an actual all ages book, mm-hmm. you know, where it's more kid approachable, unlike yours, which, like we said, it's got kids in it. But even there, even my daughter at eight years old, I'm showing her some of them, and she goes, "Wow, this is really deep." And yeah, this is this is kind of deep because it it deals with a lot more dark themes, mm-hmm. and it's and it's good. It was always a hard time for me as a kid to try to tell my friends like, "Yeah, you should read this Power Pack issue." Why? It's a kid book. No, it's not. And I like it. Don't make one of my book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, I, I ran into that was one of the odd things about Power Pack when I was writing it is that I had, you know, you, you could at that point, because it wasn't there wasn't a direct market. You could only judge by letters you were getting. So I was getting letters from kids. And then there was a group of kids in the middle, like teenagers who mm-hmm. I knew were very disdainful of it. I would hear, hear you know, people would say, oh yeah, your teenagers hate this book, blah, 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 blah. And then once people got to be older, older teenagers, older in their in their 20s, they started reading it again. I got a lot of letters from adults. So it was just interesting that the teenagers were like, I don't read baby stuff about children. Mm-hmm. I only read grown-up stuff. So, but but now I'm finding when I to ask people how old were you read when you were when you read it, a lot of them were were 12 and 13. But I, I'm yep. picking up 15 and 16 year olds who are reading it too. So I, I was listening to a podcast today, uh, Ryan Daly's um, Film and Water podcast, and him and him and this guy were reviewing the Muppet movie, and they were making a comment about that where there's a lot of things that as a as a kid you like, and then there's a point in time when you're a teenager you're like, oh, that's too kid for me. And then you come around to the 20s, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I like this. So you pick it back up. And they said the only thing that that doesn't really do that or kind of transcends that was the Muppets. But (laughs) we can't all be Jim Henson. (laughs) Early on, there were a lot of crossovers with like Cloak and Dagger. Were these stories that you wanted to tell, or was it to advertise their upcoming series? You know, I didn't have the intent of advertising things. I mean, it was Marvel. And in Marvel, you use other people's characters back and forth. Carl Potts was the editor of that book as well as the editor of Power Pack. 
And it may have been something that Carl was interested in having us do. I, I don't even remember. I mean, I, they're, they're good characters, mm-hmm. though, and they're, it's, it, they're kind of an interesting juxtaposition with Power Pack. With their oh, yeah. Yeah. difficult lives and their, you know, talk about having to deal with dark stuff, you know, so that, you know, they it made a contrast with Power Pack, actually, because of the innocence of Power Pack, even though they do deal with this dark stuff. Yeah, we uh, actually were going to ask you about that, because as you said, the juxtaposition between like Cloak and Dagger. So it's, you know, I mean, they most have of the family, for one thing, they have their, you know, their yeah. themselves and their parents love them. And, you know, it's sort of like you can have a granddad that loves them. Yeah, they're they're not orphans. They're not loners. They actually have a, a strong family unit. Uh, was this like a conscious choice to make a team this way, or did you realize that you were kind of breaking the standard? Uh, you know, the kind of the hero trope. I never thought about it. I mean, we know it was like, oh yeah, this is what Parapek's like. They, you know, they have a, they have a really good they have a good parents and you know their siblings and whatever. I mean, it, you know, it never even occurred to me. I don't think I realized. I never thought of it as a trope. Or I, I. I you know, you just sort of make things up, and sometimes you don't think about them until they're already made up. Okay. I, I love the fact that you're just like, no, this is just the way that these people were. <laughs> it, they were a family, and they had a good family thing. I wasn't, yeah, I love the fact that you weren't like, no, I was trying to shift the paradigm and, and just <laughs> no. make it, oh, I was going to be reverse edgy, and they were going to have a family. I sat down with a graph paper, and I and I mapped out what the standard deviation was, and I figured out what the what was really wanted in the market and what was missing, and I tried to pair that with some pop culture science, psychology, no, not I was amusing myself. No, that's the best way to tell stories. It really is. It's just like, I'm telling you a thing, you're enjoying it, but honestly, it's for me. Yeah. I know you don't tell jokes that you don't think are funny, but you think the other guy will. You have to use your yeah. with a joke. That's what we do here. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, it's the back and forth. It's like, I'm saying a thing because I think it's hilarious. And hey, you laugh too. That's great. Uh, yeah, we've had some people uh, write in and say, hey, when you did this, I literally spit water on my computer oh, at work. And when... Yeah, and when people were like, "Oh, are you okay?" He's like, oh, "I just, I just choked," and he said, "I couldn't explain why, but I just had to say, oh, I just, I choked on my water. I wasn't laughing hysterically at a, a podcast about a comic book." <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, you know, as far as the, as as people, you know, as Carl's input, we, you know, June was not able to to work really, really fast, and so that every mm-hmm. once in a while she would have to take some time off just to catch up, and, yeah. and those issues were Brent Anderson. There were the issues that Brent Anderson did. And we, I deliberately chose to do our editor, Carl Potts, feature his hobbies in those issues. Absolutely love that bit of history. Uh, When we heard about this before, it was like, what a great way to base stories around. It's just like, hey, what's the thing you like? Okay, here's a story about it. That is so wonderful. It was, I I mean, we got to do fun things. We went to a ball game and took pictures there. So with, with for quote unquote research, yeah, yep, research absolutely. <laughs> um, and I, I had ever, never, I had, believe it or not, never gone to a live professional baseball game before, so it was really yeah. fun. And then um, we did the aquarium because fish. Aquarium. Mm-hmm. Carl loves, loves fish. We went there. All that stuff is photo reference from the aquarium. We took pictures. It looks like it. It really looks like it. Yeah. It we're going through that issue and we we're like, this has got to be there. I, I actually found a picture of, of the park, the baseball park from that time period. And I put it up against the picture from the book. Uh-huh. It's like, yep, that that's exactly what he did. The Upper West Side is all referenced. We've mapped that a couple of times. We figured out where Alex's school is. We figured out where Katie's school is. We figured out how far he floated down to go by the old World Trade Center buildings. <laughs> I'm like, 
this actually tracks. <laughs> oh yeah. No, we we lived in their power, in Power Pack's apartment. Walter and I did. Oh. <laughs> that you see there is our furniture that we had at that point. And if you oh, okay. And, and there's a there's a painting on the wall that supposedly the mom painted. Okay. A painting by Howard Chaikin. I, I I'll have to look that one up. I don't because, know who that is. Um, the one issue that we just that we're kind of prepping for after this. Huh? Actually, it's when uh, Jim Power recognizes his kids are gone. He walks into the room and there's a poster from Casablanca from Gut with Gutman. Was that in your apartment? I don't. Okay, now that one I don't remember. But it wouldn't. Oh, okay. wait a minute. Yes, the man. Plays, <laughs> the man plays the phone. Is that the one? The the one he's got a cigar. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like. Walter did that drawing. <laughs> it was when when we were dating and i liked it so much that he gave it to me oh that's awesome oh that we are putting so that cool. in there because yeah. that was my literary reference from that issue because i because i'm going through there and i saw that i was going that's from or not from casablanca i'm sorry that's uh that's from um maltese falcon yeah that was that could that confused me but then i remember, I remember yeah sorry that was my fault i'm getting hey this beer is good <laughs> um no but so like i saw that and like oh so I read the Maltese Falcon for that issue. <laughs> oh, oh, how funny. Oh, well done. That is, makes my day right there. This entire day is making my day. <laughs> Actually, in one of the one of the Brent Anderson stories, the, the difference, a different couch. Some of the furniture has changed around because we had in the meantime gotten a different couch so that and but those were the photo references. That, we, that was the reference we sent to Brent so that he could draw, you know, in the same world that, that June and everybody mm-hmm. else, that June had been drawing. And okay. um, so that you'll see the furniture has changed in that. And it's like, it's, it's jar- when I look at like, that issue, I don't know which one it was, but I, it's so jarring to me. Because, no, no, no. That's yeah. out of time. <laughs> it's the wrong furniture. <laughs> That's not my couch. That's not my couch. In issue 19, then, huh? uh, Alex is thinking about his mom and he goes up to, he floats up to the top of his bookshelf and there's a picture of him with his mom. And it's the art in it is so good that the bookshelf is full of books about with illustrators names on them. Oh, that's Walter's, Walter's reference. Okay. Yeah. We were figuring that we're like, this has got to be, we were thinking it was the artist. We were thinking it might've been uh, Brent Anderson's yeah. uh, shelf. It's like, he probably just went, he probably said, I need to draw a shelf of books and look to his left. But okay. So it is actually the well, books in your place. Yeah, Walter's, Walter's studio is now just lined with books. It's, you're ta- we're talking a bit about the characters being lent from one issue to another issue. We talked a little bit before about X-Men 205. That's the Barry Windsor Smith Wolverine and Katie Power story. That's very dark. That really scared my daughter when she read it. That was my daughter's Chris. sensitive. Oh, I'm Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it's Chris Claremont's fault. Well, did Chris ask you for the character? Oh, sure. Well, I'd buy you enough of his characters. And we traded pet characters back and forth all the time. But that was just a simple call over. Like, I want to do this story. Can I use sure. Katie Power to yeah. to make sure Wolverine is not, you know, it, it can that she can keep Wolverine from getting killed by a bunch of ninjas? <laughs> I, you know, I didn't even know what it was about. I just said, yeah, sure, because she can use Katie. Okay, so basically it's just, hey, I, I want this character, and you go, okay. Yeah, sure, can I play with her toys? With his toys, I got to play with Wolverine. I got to play with Katie. Okay. <laughs> which, which character of his did you like playing with the most? Oh, I don't know. Let me see. I think Wolfie. I actually kind of enjoy Wolfie. But Kitty's fun, too. You know, those two, I, I think I played with the most in power. Those were the power pack players anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah, this seems like it. Plus, plus also just the fact that having Wolverine and Katie, it just was such an interesting mix. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it was a great combo. And I really love the fact, too, that it's, uh, it seemed like Wolverine really respected Katie. I think. Where it wasn't just like, you're just a little kid, whatever. It was just like, yeah, okay, Energizer, you're five, whatever, you, you know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, little kids are smart. They just, they're, I think they're as smart as, grown-up people they just don't know as much because they don't have the experience Mm -hmm. but they've got good little brains in their heads yeah they kind of can be impulsive sometimes that's the only reason we don't kill them (laughs) i may have to edit that out (laughs) (laughs) jeff and rick present does not encourage the killing of children (laughs) even if they're not cute no (laughs) believer in using children for even work projects you know we we had put julie and her friends to work we were when walter was doing aliens I mean, we had them mm-hmm. rolling down. Uh, it was production stuff. We had Julie and her friends doing that. We would pay them. But, you know, I just think their little kids are capable. And they weren't that small. Then they were like nine or ten, I think. Probably ten. Okay. Were there any storylines that you wanted to get to that you didn't or you weren't allowed to or it just didn't happen? Mm, no, I don't think so. I mean, I I don't remember having any great regrets. I mean, my only regret is that it made such a difference to me. The art made such a difference that if I didn't have an artist that I felt was drawing the kids, the the souls of the kids properly, and it didn't have to be like the physical because John John Bogg and June and Brent all drew differently. I mean, they have very different styles, but they all kind of caught the essence of what I think the kids were like. Yes, yes. I found that for other artists who drawn them, it was hard for me to write them and make them sound like themselves. It, I felt like I felt like I was looking at at imposters, and yeah, that, the strangers. Yes, and that I began my dialogue began to feel like I was writing imposters. And at that point, hmm. I said, "That's why I got off. I just thought I couldn't. If I didn't, if I couldn't do it properly, I didn't want to do it at all." Yeah, when you're saying the feeling of the different artists that can give to it, I've noticed that in you know a series that I've read where it's kind of like, oh, I love this, and then you get a different artist, and it's like this isn't the same. It doesn't feel the same. And then a lot of times, like you were saying too, the dialogue seems to change too. Yeah. And then I think I think Mark was actually talking about that where he was saying that different writers write differently for different artists. Mm, I think that's probably true, and that some writers write better for some artists than for others. But I, I have, believe that. the artists that I like the best do emotion you know you look at a character and you know what they're thinking my, my friend brett levins who didn't we did new mutants together um brett set of his characters i like to draw them so they look like they're thinking something yeah <laughs> and i thought that was i thought that was so adorable and yet perfect his characters always look like they had you know interior lives and june june mm-hmm. and john's the same um they look like the character they have a a life inside their mind and they're not just ciphers drawn on a page. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that makes a difference. So if I feel like I'm writing a cipher, I end up feeling like my dialogue is cipherish. Yeah. So it makes a difference. Anyway, blah, blah. <laughs> Have you kept track of where Power Pack is at all in any of its current continuity at all? No, I haven't. Every once in a while, I hear something. Somebody will come up to me and tattle. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what they did? It's like I you know, I, I, I'm I'm taking the Lord George Lucas approach, which is everything I said is gospel and the rest is gossip. Oh okay. which is absurd because it's Marvel. 
But, you know, you, there, I have done things with other people's characters that I've appropriated for one thing or reason or another that, you know, they would probably kill me for. So hmm. I, you know, you, you create things and you send them out there and they have their own lives after you let them go. Kind of like children. Mm-hmm. You know, and other people, you know, they, they have other influences and other, uh, an entire existence beyond what you, the stories you made up. You just have to live with that. But sometimes you don't want to know. It's like, you know, you, as, as a parent, you, you kind of want to know, but you don't want to know what your teenager is up to. Yeah, maybe yeah. you want the, the highlights, but not the uh, the nitty gritties. And one of the odd things, I I guess it's odd, the Marvel continuity is it looks like there was something that I read recently that suggested that what, the, like this classic power pack, which they consider real, and this other stuff, it's like they're alternate universe versions. Yeah, that that's the stuff that Mark uh, Sumrak did. That's the alternate universe. His, uh, his run... Universe versions, you know. I like reading those comics. We we actually read them on for our Patreon account, and we give it to our uh, supporters. Um, but for both Jeff and I, we both thought when we were first reading it that it's like reading a Saturday morning cartoon. It's like you just feel like you're in your PJs and you got a bowl of cereal and you're eating the bowl of cereal and you're and you're reading the Saturday morning cartoon in front of you. And we're talking to. Mark Sumerak, and he said the exact same thing to us. He said, I, we wrote it like a Saturday morning cartoon. We're like, you did it. That's you correct. did it. Good. It's nice that it is kind of separate and off to the side because they can do things with characters, with you know the rest of the Marvel Universe in a fun, not deep way, and really accessible and have a nice way for to get people in to experience these characters in the Marvel Universe. Right, sure. Yeah, it's just a great way of going, oh, you can do things different with them that I'm not going to argue with because you can say, well, it's not 616. Right, and I think that's terrific. You know, I, I, I myself, have, when I did an alternate version of the future of X Factor, they asked me to come back yeah. and do X Factor forever. So, yeah. And I saw so that essentially what I created was an alternate timeline that I mm-hmm. could never have actually done, but in, in real life, you know, alternate, so I'm, I'm all for alternate timelines. I say, go for it. Have fun. Well, since we aren't going to go through and say what the characters are going to do, we're not going to tell them the characters at all. What would you, what was your envision or where do you think the kids would be now in your mind? Oh, uh, let's see. All right. Or where do they, where do they exist in your mind? I should say. Well, they exist in my mind as children still. June also said that she wanted to just keep them as kids. Keep them as kids because that makes them different. And I, I don't know why people keep wanting to age them. I mean, I, although obviously they would get a little older. I mean, you know, you'd go through an entire year of school and then you're a year older. And, and aging mm-hmm. them by, you know, six months or something or a year is not, I don't find that disturbing. But I mm-hmm. think that really, you know, turn all of a sudden they're 18 is like, well, I don't know. No, I don't know. If they were grownups, though, I mean, I could, I could see. Let's see. I think Alex would be like my grandson, Nikolai, who is who went to Japan, learned great Japanese, and is now a coordinator with Yokohama. In living, he has a job in New York, coordinating with Yokohama, so not <laughs> doing that kind of thing. I think Alex would do that kind of thing. I think Jack probably would be in politics and probably doing very well. No, I, like I like that. that. I like yeah. that. He'd probably be the mayor of something. Um, let's see. Julie would be, she would be, I think she'd be doing what my daughter's doing. She'd be a, like a children's librarian. And I yeah. and I think Katie would be a biochemist. <laughs> huh. She is smart. 
Then again, all the kids are smart. Yeah. So all the kids are very all smart. The kids are really they're all smart. smart in different ways, but they would be grown up it, by now. If they, if they would happen. They've kind of grown them. Uh, yeah. We're not going to get into where they're at now. No. We're not there we're yet. that because it's all universes. Yeah. I, I know you kind of answered questions like this before, but it, it was a different time in the 80s in the comics industry was be, you know, it's becoming much more progressive now, thanks to the work that you and many other creators have done. But looking back now, were there choices that you made with the kids' characterizations, especially Julie and Katie, that might have pushed against some of the norms during that day? Who knows? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a deep, deep question this late at night. I apologize for that. You know, you do what you do, and the characters act like you think they would act but i you know and then i i it's one of those things i don't really really think about was pushing against norms i thought about putting my characters in situations and seeing how they'd behave i you know i don't know i mean they were certainly independent characters they had a lot of gumption but you know my sisters have plenty of gumption and so does my so do all <laughs> my favorite characters that i read when i in books when i was a child I mean, brains and courage were the two. My, I guess my maybe my two favorite characteristics in the the of the kids in stories that I read. So I mean, that's they all had brains and courage. So and I don't know that that's pushing against any norms. Okay. Well, do you feel that you made any difference in the culture of comic books for the uh, women that followed you? I, you know, I have no idea. People say that I've been an inspiration. I didn't just to. Some people who followed me, I I never deliberately set out to be. I can't even imagine that I. Would. <laughs> but um, you know, there was the, there was the whole women in comics thing, and you know, did, was it what was it like being women in comics and all that kind of nonsense? And I used to I used to even hate the idea of that anyone would even ask me such a question because I didn't want to be a woman in comics. I just wanted to be a writer. In. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many women come up to me and say it made a difference that you were out there and you were visible and they were doing stuff. And it made it feel like I could do it too, that I've kind of gotten over that now. Mm-hmm. Like, get over yourself, woman. Okay, I'm over it. <laughs> and, um, you, know, you can be two things. You can be a writer in comics and you can be an inspiration I to people. Could. And it, it's kind of sweet that people are inspired by me and I hope I live up to what they want. <laughs> what, what, or at least I hope, I hope that whatever idea they had of me makes their lives better and feel, feel feel encouraged to do things you know better whether it's a true me or not the illusion of me if it's a <laughs> speaking as two white guys it is one of the things of of i you have made a difference and and i as a writer and as a creator and it's something that has touched a lot of people just kind of seeing some of the reactions that we've got doing this podcast, there's a lot of people that do recognize that, hey, this is a comic book that we liked, we enjoyed, and it was created by women, and it can show that women can do, you know, can produce something this great. Yeah, people can pre- produce something this great. You know, uh, uh, people of color can, uh, people, LGBT community people. It, Diversity does exist, and you know the more we embrace it, the more we celebrate it, and the more we encourage it, it is always good. Once again, I say this as a white guy. <laughs> it's, it's, it does bring, I think, different upbringings and different experience bring a different perspective to stories. Yes. And I think sometimes that really makes them more interesting. You know, you you may be bored with your own outlook, and it mm-hmm. I, it's kind of nice to be able to look at things from a different point of view 
So I, I actually like stories like that myself. It's one of the things I like about a lot of science fiction stories is they give you a different outlook on things. If it's good. So social science fiction. I love social science fiction. We just have a little bit more to do. I wanted to go through some of our listener questions, if you don't mind. I don't mind. I, I'm going to start off here uh, with Scott Sutton. And I sent you our script and Scott Sutton is one of our fans from the UK. He wanted us to show you his tattoo, which we've included. This is literally talking about how much you have affected uh, some fans, how, how you have affected the lives of people just with the writing of these books, tattoos, a custom artwork, Twitter pages, yeah. all sorts of things. It's just, it's, it's insane. Just how much of an influence and an impact you've had on these people's lives. Well, it, so it's very flattering. It makes me feel good that I've like, it makes me feel like I really did maybe make a little bit of difference. The fact that some, the fact that somebody wanted to tattoo this, and it's a great tattoo. I love this. <laughs> I love it. I'm flattered that he would would like a, anything I did well enough to mark his body with it. I think it's so lovely. What a sweet thing to do, and it looks great too. Oh, this is a spoiler for the end of the series, but the original series seemed to end in a bizarre direction. Was the reason that you came back to the series 18 months later to write your holiday special? Was that the reason? Yes. They, I wanted, you know, it was like, it was like a, like a jack in the box where you open the, the, the lid and all of a sudden, well, not, it, the, it just doesn't pop up. It just goes completely haywire. That was like, <laughs> the crazy thing it was, that happened in that book. So I, I, they called me up. I was over at DC doing Superman at that point. I think, I think I was, I think that's, I think that was about that time. They said, how would you like to do a power pack? And I said, yeah, I'll do a power pack if I can put everything, put all the toys back the way they. <laughs> <laughs> just... I left. I left my room a certain way, and I would like to get back to. <laughs> I put the toys away, and then that was. I guess that was the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been approached about an animated or a movie based on Power Pack besides the Canadian TV pilot? Not approached because one doesn't generally one is not approached about these things until it's already written and shot, oh, okay. <laughs> and, and they have no choice but to tell you about it because it's about to be released. That has been my experience with movies and television shows. Did you ever see the Canadian TV pilot? Yes, I thought the kids were cute. I thought that they it was they just couldn't do no. no. I know, but <laughs> in the right place. And I, I didn't even knew, know that existed until the people, Marvel never told me, the people <laughs> who made the TV show called up and said, so how did you like it? And I said, <laughs> like what? So, <laughs> so then they told me what they had done and, you know, sent me a copy of it. And I actually, you know, I think that, I think their hearts were in the right place, but it was just technically beyond anything. Well, what would have had to have happened was technically beyond anything they could have done at that point. How many books could do it, but TV couldn't. To finish up Scott's piece here, he wanted to say thank you. Power Pack was a major part of his childhood, and it was his gateway drug for another 30-odd years of reading comics. He was the right age to read a book about kids like him, dealing with life, and it spoke to him. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was so kind of you. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, from TJ Swint, he uh, asked some stuff that we've already uh, kind of covered, but he just wanted to know kind of like, did you have an, kind of like an end date for it? Because figures that you were, you know, they only had like six or seven years before Power Pack would have to break up because like Alex would have to go to college. Did you assume that the grown up end date or end state would inform the limit the way the characters could be written and developed? I had no end time for them. They, well, at the, at the time that I was writing that, it was like, I think it was, was it John Byrne who said somebody had decided that a Marvel year is like 10 hum, normal human years. It was 10, it was eight, but it was a long time. So I could have written Power Pack a very long time before one year even went or went by. Yeah. So I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell it would last that long enough for me. To- <laughs> 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 it's going you're growing up. Yeah, I, I'm amazed it's still around in any context. It's pretty amazing. You know, as we were talking about movies earlier, about every five years, somebody comes to me and they say, I know blah, blah screenwriter who's written this, a, play, a screenplay for, for Power Pack. And it's really good. And every once in a while, they say, yeah, they really liked your comic. And then nothing happens. <laughs> and I, the last time, I guess, when we were in San Diego two or three years ago, you know, I, I, I heard the same, the same thing over again. I've given up holding my breath. Okay. Is it different <laughs> screenwriters each time? Or is it? Or are they referencing the same person who did a little bit I of fan fiction? their names. But the last time, it, Arthur, it, was, it was Arthur Adams told me. And I figure he's a reliable source. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and somebody else told me because I think his wife was working with somebody out in Hollywood. His wife was working with whoever the screenplay writer was so i know that there were two that were reliable you know the rest of them it was but you know nothing movies i don't believe a movie is going to happen i've been in this business long enough that i don't think a movie will ever happen until it happens and and even when it's on the shelf it could be on the shelf for two or three years before it's released yeah you know so it's it's a miracle when anything actually gets turned into a movie or tv show okay so you'll believe it when you get hard copy in your hand yes Yes, I, that's true. When I bought my okay. ticket. Yeah. And you're like, oh, no, you you shouldn't be buying any tickets. Yeah. <laughs> you should be limo to the door. Okay, well, I, we'll, we'll, we'll let Marvel know that then. We'll write them in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. They can afford a limo. Yeah, they can kick out four bucks for a uh, Top a number one movie in the, in the world right now. They can afford to send. I know. It's pretty good, too, from what I hear. We haven't seen it yet, but you know, maybe we... It's good. Okay, I got. Let me see if I can do this here. Jimena asks, and I should say, Jimena runs the the Let's Talk Julie Power Twitter account. So she's got a Twitter account that's called Let's Talk Julie Power, and it's all about Julie Power. Oh my goodness gracious! What, what's her life like? I wonder. I'll have to find out. She loves Julie Power. <laughs> She wanted to thank you for creating Power Pack because without the pack, Julie wouldn't exist. She also wanted to know why you chose acceleration and flight powers for Julie. And then to expand on that question, what was your inspiration for assigning the different powers to each kid? The powers were chosen for E equals MC squared. Um, energy, mass, uh, speed of light, and which what was the other one? Uh, something squared. I have no idea. <laughs> Come on, science boy. <laughs> and uh, and Alex, who's the square. <laughs> and Alex, who's the square. <laughs> oh, gravity, of course. Gravity's an important thing. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, Alex is kind of a square. Bless his sweet little heart. I love him. Oh, he's great. Yeah. I know. And, and then I don't know why I assigned the powers. I suppose I gave Katie the energy power. She was the most, that's just the most insane thing to ever do is like giving a, a two-year-old yeah. firecracker. You just don't do that. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. No, that, that would make sense why you would go, because give Jack or Alex the power, it just leads to either bad things or them being used the way it should be used. Right. 
Right. And then, uh, I don't know, Julie just seemed like the sort of person who would want to go at the speed of light and have a real, especially have a rainbow trail behind her. And, and Jack, you know, he's always so down on his brothers and sisters and trying to boss people around and being grumpy that I, I sort of wanted to torture him a little bit where it looked like he had no power. And then it looked mm-hmm. like he had a power that was pretty darn worthless where you could just turn into a cloud for Pete's sakes. But then he's a smart little guy. He figures out how to use it in a Jackie Jack sort of way. So um, I, that was why, you know, it was just like, it seemed to be the right power for the right personality. So Tim Price has a, a little list of questions. And the first one is, which came first, the characters or the powers? I think they came sort of simultaneously. I, I think the characters probably came first. And I knew that I wanted E equals MC squared powers. Then I had to divvy them up, you know, once I knew who I was giving different powers to. So it was it was kind of, they, I think the kids came first, but then the powers came almost at the same time. But then the kids got their powers as they developed, like shuffling okay. cards. <laughs> and then uh, you kind of answered this earlier, but which character did you like to write the most or the least? I liked writing the one I was torturing the most. Because <laughs> evil, whichever one I was putting, giving them a really hard time so that you, I had to see what kind of hero they really were. And that was, they were always my favorite. It's always been that way with, with me, with characters. You know, I loved Angel best when I had ripped off his wings and he was having to deal with it all. This is oh, a yeah. power pack, a hard time. And then you see what they're really made of. And that's important. Yep. Did you have any of the characters you liked writing the least or was it just whoever was not being tortured? <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I never had to carry any of the characters I did. I hated writing. Okay. I love writing Franklin Richards. Poor little Franklin. Oh, uh, we love Franklin. Actually, that's that's the next question. Yeah, is... basically it was who's the easiest slash hardest to well, write. Was... And Franklin. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, whose idea was it to add Franklin Richards to the book? It was our, our idea, my idea. I felt sorry for him. He was like, his parents were always going off and leaving him. We comment oh, on this all the time, talking you. about how thank horrible you. his parents are. It's an ongoing joke where, yeah. like, we just kept saying, and Franklin is here because his parents are the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, for him. we wanted to give him a safe place and other children to play with. And It and makes perfect sense, family, too. He could, you know, spend time with and all of that. And not that the Fantastic Four are evil or anything, but they're just very no. busy. You know, when you're saving yeah. the world, it's kind of hard to have time for a three-year-old or a four-year-old. Or a four-and-a-half-year-old. But, yeah, <laughs> no, uh, him hanging out but, with the powers is amazing we absolutely love it it's just anytime he pops in there and he's with them it's like yes this makes sense this is so great and i love the fact too where it's just not like oh franklin's hanging out with power pack no he's hanging out with those kids the powers it's he's so hanging cool. out with his friends his friends yeah and he and katie had to work it out i love doing that story that was, was wonderful. just such a little jerk <laughs> <laughs> just so mean because she likes she wants to be big and she wants to be little at the same time you know she's yep she wants to be the baby as long as they don't treat her like the baby right you know, right she wants to be treated like the baby kind of like a, well you yeah. like the yeah you want the perks yeah yep you bad yeah <laughs> and then uh were there any marvel characters that you wanted power pack to meet and you didn't get a chance to do them oh golly let me think they met a batch of people i don't think they ever met and they never met captain america did they no no they did not so he, that might have been interesting you know i didn't i didn't have any i i guess everybody that i you know you know dr strange would have been interesting <laughs> yeah i'm sure he'd be great with children oh yeah <laughs> um, 
I think so. I think those would have been fun to do, but I didn't have a burning desire to do them. But had I been given the opportunity, I would have had fun with it. You know, it's probably that way with most of them. I, I love Spider Man. I've always loved Spider Man. Yeah. So you know, that was just I was really lucky to be able to do him. And um, I don't know, and all that stuff. So, Marina. Oh, yeah. Well. <laughs> let's let's talk about Marina. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Poor dead Marina. She's dead. Still, right. <laughs> Uh, probably. Uh, I think she came back. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to tell. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's sad for me where I'm like, I thought the the most interesting that she was was when she was a giant uh, sea monster. I know. So, uh, I know. Yeah, there you go. That was the thing that we actually mentioned in the Thanksgiving issue where it was just like, no, this is great because all the heroes that the kids have met, they invited to Thanksgiving. Absolutely every single one of them, obviously except Marina. So why wasn't Marina invited to uh, the the, the Powers Thanksgiving? Wasn't she dead at that point? I don't know. (laughs) Probably. Maybe not. We, we just we, we we're like the, the first heroes that that power pack meets are marina and cloak and dagger it's like the depression the, the parade. depression brigade it's like <laughs> wow what can i say i was doing <laughs> uh. yeah so tim has a final question and he wants to ask this of everybody and it's uh about cheese and what flavor of cheese do you like that walt does not or what is each of the power kids favorite flavor of cheese Oh, goodness gracious. Let me think. <laughs> I think Walter and I like the same cheeses. Although mm-hmm. I, I like goat cheese better than Walter does. Walter doesn't love goat cheese. Okay. There, Tim. You got to get another person answer a question about cheese. <laughs> <laughs> cheese. What, what about the power kids? Cheese and, cheese and sweet potatoes. Do you, so do you really want to know what, what, what cheeses the kids like? I think. Yep, apparently he does. <laughs> if you have any inclination or idea. That. Let me think. Jack. Katie and Jack both like boring old American cheese. Yeah, they're young kids. You give them, you give them cheddar, and they're they're probably maybe Jack. Katie might be okay with cheddar, but Jack is going to stubbornly stick at his his lower lip and say, "No, it's not real cheese. American cheese is real cheese." Craft singles for him. Julie likes goat cheese because it's weird. Mm-hmm. And Jack, I mean Alex, Alex, Alex's favorite is Swiss. I think he likes Swiss cheese. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, well, let's uh, wrap this up so that we can get you out of here and get me back to my uh, family. What are you currently reading? Oh, gosh. I'm currently reading the Alexander Hamilton biography, which is mm-hmm. the one that the Alexander Hamilton music musical was based on. Mm-hmm. It was a fabulous, fabulous musical. We just went to see it, gosh, about a month ago, I guess. I'm jealous. I absolutely love the music so from that. So worth it. We took, mm-hmm. I took my grandchildren. For, it was a Christmas present. And the littlest one, the littlest one has read the, I got them a book too. So she's read, the, read all the, she's read the book. She's memorized all of the music. She walks around singing the music. She's just, I mean, she's, she's 12 years old now. I thought it was going to be too, maybe sophisticated for her, a little over her head. But she's mm-hmm. the one, I think all the kids loved it, but she's just completely fallen in love with it. In fact, they're doing American history in school. And she was horrified that Alexander Hamilton wasn't really mentioned mm-hmm. specifically in the history books as one of the great yeah. American heroes. Because she's a real Alexander Hamilton fan right now. <laughs> yeah. I think everybody is. <laughs> great. So I'm reading that. I'm reading, oh dear, one of the Nora Roberts, J.D. Robb mysteries. Mm-hmm. And I'm reading a science fiction series. 
Oh God, by someone named Beck. I think it's Becky Chambers is her name. So I think those are the ones I'm reading right now. Are, are there any comic books that you keep up on or any particular series that you like to keep reading? Not really. You know, it's, I think that sometimes when you do them, you, you know, I kind of, Mar- okay, Marvel and the companies don't just send us comics anymore. They, they used to a long time ago. We would do these giant boxes of comics every month. We don't really get those anymore. And I kind of have fallen out of the habit of reading comics. I like writing them, but I've, I've always been a book reader. I mean, I was, you know, I was telling, you know, that, you know, when I was a little kid, you know, we would get, go to the library and read giant piles of the books, my sisters and I. So this is, I, I have just continued to be more a book reader, I think, than a comics reader over my life, which is maybe good and maybe not. Oh, well, there it is. <laughs> I do, however, when when I get assigned a project of some kind, I often have to go back and do research and read, don't go back into the back issues and read stuff. And then I'm always quite often very happy with what I read. Then I guess that brings us to one of our last questions here is what current projects are you working on? Are there any upcoming projects you want to plug? Oh, let me think. I'm doing a power pack thing for Marvel that I probably shouldn't say anything more about because other than June is drawing it. I'm doing a science fiction miniseries for Storm King, which is a Cindy Carpenter's company. I'm doing, oh gosh, there's some, oh, I, I'm adapting two novels for DC that were, were two, it was a Wonder Woman story and a Catwoman story that were written by, by novelists that involve Catwoman and Wonder Woman. I'm adapting those two graphic novels for those people. And it seems to me I'm doing something else, but I can't remember what it is now. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let's hope I remember before I have to turn it in. Well, I'm going to, I know that Jeff is on a time limit, so, and you're probably really tired too, so we'll just get to the conclusion here. God, you guys are too much fun. Anytime you want to do this again, we will gladly have you. And I would love to talk to you more. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate you spending the time with us. And you've given us a lot of joy with all the projects you've done and everything you've done. You have made a difference to us and many other people. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. I want to keep talking to you. We enjoy doing this. We enjoy keeping people up to date on Power Pack and letting them, you know, talking about the stories that you wrote back then. And we're going to keep on doing it. We've got another couple of years of stories <laughs> to go through. So I've scheduled it out. We're doing good. Yeah, I think yeah, it's going to be like at least a three and a half year podcast. Yeah. So, so we're doing releasing uh, an episode every other week. Wow. Um, and like I said... I, We'd love to have you on again sometime. I'm sure we can probably ask you more questions and do more things. And maybe when the news, when this project gets released, maybe we can talk to you then. Personally, I would love to get sure. you and June uh, on a like a joint call or together and just let you go. That could be fun too. <laughs> I'll tell them that I talked to you guys and how much fun you Aww, were. Thank you thank very much. You. That's amazing. That's great. And we we will try to set up something to talk with you again. Thank you very much for your time. We'll let you go get some sleep and I'll let Jeff get out of here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. We really do appreciate it. it this was unbelievable. We did not expect this to happen. And uh, the fact that it did is incredible. Thank you so much and have a good night. Hey, you too. Good night. Shout out time. We'd like to recognize those listeners that take the time to write in or leave us a review. So for those people that left us reviews for episode number 25, where we talked about X-Men 205, from Facebook, Al Sedano, Bradley Knoll, Dan Grote, Gary Pozon, Gene Hendricks, Jeff Polier, Jonathan Schaefer-Hames, Keith Baker, Max Traver, Mitch Gillian, 
And this could be another plug to visit Mitch's restaurant, The Nerd Out, a comic book hangout in Portland, Oregon. Nicholas Prom. Pat Sampson. John Schmermund, who wants us to bring TJ back. On Twitter, Alexander. Cannonball. Charles Gears, who reminded us that in Wolverine Volume 2, number 37, Wolverine and Lady Deathstrike are fighting through a time warp and revisit this issue for a couple of pages. Coffee is good, Mal. Happy month and half late birthday. Craig McNichol. Custom Zaku. David H. Adler. Donald Ferguson. Eric1218. Fozzy. Geeks Gone Wild TW. Jeremy Daw. Let's talk about Power Pack, who did not know about this issue and was going to read it before listening to our podcast. Let's talk Julie Power. Let's talk New Warriors. Marco Lezik. Michael The Street. Nicopedia. No Bunga Soda. Rustin LF. Ryan Daly. Sailor Bear Zodar. Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Tim Price. Uncanny Daniel. Warlock Thanos Podcast. Worst comic podcast ever. Savior Files. Zach LeBrand. And we'd like to do one last great thank you to Louise Simonson, who spent two and a half hours talking to us. Thank you so much. She was a great sport, she and was. it was a lot of fun. So thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, Louise. Yeah, it was uh, wonderful to get to spend an evening with you. Thank you so much. Uh, we would love to do it again, and we really, really appreciate the time that you spent with us already. Anytime you want to come back on, Wheezy, you're always welcome. <laughs> we are Jeff and Rick Present, and we record and self-produce our podcast in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to talk with us, you can do so through Twitter, at Jeff Rick Present. Our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present. Our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present. WordPress.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes or Stitcher. This will help other people find us. And as always, we want to thank the wonderful women in our lives. My wife, Cindy, and our daughter, Carrie. My fiance, Hillary, and our daughter, Aurora. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. Costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. Well, Rick, this can be one of the biggest obstacles to a print-based medium. The pronunciation in your... Yeah, and here's where I start stumbling. The pronunciation... <laughs> I do a lot of editing. It's my job. Yeah, we, we have, there you go. We have, a, we have a lot of outtakes at the end of the show. <laughs> we do, if we're going to go back to script, we've got the general chit-chat where you talked about uh, childhood idea of yeah. what heroes should be. <clears throat> Yeah, just, uh, just go to the beer. Okay. Okay, yeah, well, we just explained stuff. We could pop that in later, too. I have, I have, a, I have a... Okay, we'll just get to that then. We'll introduce beer. You guys are funny. All right. Okay, let's actually go back to script stuff now, I guess, <laughs> to break the flow. All right, I'm going to start reading again. How did you end up being the model for the cover of the first... Per- Let me try that sentence again. How did you... <laughs> Why the chame- chameleons... Did I get it right this time? Chameleons? This is what I say, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) You're the expert. Uh, (laughs) 